0: VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen.
1: VoiceOver on,
0: settings. So you can navigate it just by listening.
2: Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10
0: to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom.
2: Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley. Thank you for tuning in. We have a fabulous show for you today. But before we get to it, another milestone. So you may remember last week was show number 100. This week, our 500,000th. Listen, 500,000. Halfway to a million, which is incredible, especially given that the first season, season and a half was, uh, you know, slim pickings when it came to listeners. It's a very gradual climb from a very, very low base, but now we're cooking. So thank you so much for continuing to listen. If you dig what you are hearing, of course, I've got to ask. Do me a favor, tell a friend, tell 10, or give a rating on iTunes. Do both, do neither. Either way, thank you for everyone for staying tuned in, and I'll keep trying to track down interesting people for you. So that's it. Now let's get to... Today's show Yo Technology What is it all about?
1: If you look at where the alcohol market is now We are the cannabis equivalent to people Are still bootlegging moonshine Into, yeah. into the country
2: This week on the program We are talking all things Wacky backy Sensamilla Reefer madness All of it Yes Weed is growing up quickly into a proper business, both as a consumer product and potentially as a medical treatment for all kinds of diseases and ailments. So, I took advantage of my recent trip to LA at the Milken Conference. Yep, another one from my few days there. And I sat down with Neil Mahapatra. And Neil is the founder of Kingsley Capital Partners, which is a London-based investment firm, one of whose activities is starting cannabis companies. He's got two of them. Uh, One working on medical treatments, the other a consumer brand, which I must say has a very good name. You'll have to uh, listen to find out what it is. We talk about how Neil went from working for Lord Rothschild to now building businesses around ganja and everything in between. So stick around. I think you'll enjoy this one and I'll get out of the way. So without further ado, here is Neil. yeah Hello. does yeah. that work yeah you're good great That's just like that just like that amazing live. first of all, thanks for negotiating the madness to to make it to our little weird little spare room
1: for Milken it's um it's a wonderful oasis of tranquility <laughs> uh, in the middle of what is a, a well organized conference, but it's like in a sort of your sense senses it's, yeah, so yeah. it's
2: madness well great well so i have i'm very interested i'm a child of the eighties. And like the demon weed was something you stayed away from. And then yeah. high school, all my friends smoked. And college, just living living in California, it's kind of everywhere. Yeah. And then over the past five seven years, there's been a real kind of transformation, obviously from illegal to legal to medical uses, et cetera. And so, I'd just love to get a sense from you of how you ended up. Like, what are you doing, and how you ended up here? Yeah, I I normally. Don't really start
1: from the beginning in terms of background etc but it's it's I think hugely relevant for for what I'm doing now so it really begins with you know my, my two doctor parents if I'm honest who, who Moved to the UK in, in, in the 70s, had me in the 80s. So I, too, am a, a child of the 80s. And sort of educated me in, incredibly well, sent me to, you know, a, a fairly posh boarding school. And I then read biology at, at, at Oxford. You know, up until now, I don't normally mention that, mention that, but because
2: of... So were you going to be a doctor? Was that
1: the, was um, that the plan? It was interesting. I, I, I was going to be a doctor, but never through any parental pressure. Right. Um, it, it's fascinating how you just assume that you're going to do something that your parents are going to do, and and it, and, and they were so supportive when I said yeah. I didn't want to do it. And so I loved the subjects, and, and biology at Oxford was, you know, the, the nearest subject without it locking to locking you into that vocation. So did that, then um, went into investment banking, three years, classic Morgan Stanley education. You learn, you know, a lot of a lot of good technical skills needed to get out Uh, wasn't wasn't for you not for me um it is for a lot of people it's a a very exciting job but i think people arguably divide into two sets of people one is the the advisory world uh, where you're very autonomous and and very professional and the other is more of the decision maker the creator etc and I, i don't think one is right or wrong i think it depends on who you are but for me Doing stuff and creating was much more important. And yeah. plus, I needed I, after three years of junior investment banking, you need some time off. So they kind of grind you into dust, don't they? they yeah, just a little bit. And you know, is to be honest, I think I needed it because you leave Oxford and, and you have all of this uh, unchecked ego, <laughs> uh, um, which, which is is definitely there. And I, I I got involved in the politics aspect of it there as well. And so my my ego was particularly large. And and mm. so going into Investment banking as a junior with none of that matters and and actually how hard you work and what you produce is was incredibly good for me um, Yeah, but tiring and and so I then went to the, to the States to do my MBA Where where well, I was at Harvard from okay? MBA. Spent two years two years in Boston lovely time met some incredibly close friends who I've now set up my business with and then after after HBS if I'm completely honest I fluked the most wonderful job, where um, I made it onto an initial shortlist of, of people to work uh, directly for Lord Rothschild, so the head of the Rothschild family. And, and the role was work directly for him, morphing into running and, and managing uh, venture capital and private equity investments for him. So I spent four years doing that. Wow. It's an amazing job for for many reasons. The exposure you get to people at the high end of finance and now as soon as you leave it all ends the air is so rarefied when you're when you're there <laughs> but also those types of people so you super senior incredibly successful people when you go into a meeting with with jake with lord Rothschild, um you on the other side of the table you realize that however senior somebody is fundamentally everybody is still i think winging it and the way you mitigate, mitigate the, the winging it is through experience it's through knowledge it's through reading but fundamentally it's all about how you present yourself in a meeting and mm-hmm. everybody is
2: you know it's a level playing field at that meeting yeah kind of how skilled you are at bullshit to a degree
1: but also the skill is turning that bullshit into not bullshit by reading <laughs> and experience and and into you know facts yeah, and, yeah. and and those things and and I, I totally agree there's people at the spectrum who, who will say you don't need facts and are phenomenal yeah. at the bs yeah, um, yeah. I think you probably need something of a balance. <laughs> it, it was kind of a, a, a shackling that comes off when you realize that you know, even at that end, everybody's still still kind of winging it. Um, yeah. And also that, that's the type of job that lets you then go up and set your own business. So yeah. end of 2013, I teamed up with my housemate from, from business school. We lived in a student house on Kingsley Street, just south of, of the main business school to set up our, our investment firm, right. Kingsley Capital Partners. Right. Um, and we, uh, we do different things. Our main and original focus, the original strategy, what I thought we were always just going to do um, was UK private equity. We now do three different things and the reason it sort of morphed into, into three is, is kind, of, kind of as follows. So the second part of, w- of what we do is some emerging markets investing. We work with uh, Madeleine Albright's investment fund, Albright Capital Management ba- based in Washington DC for uh, emerging markets, private equity, phenomenal people, incredibly, incredibly apposite on, on emerging markets. And that was born of, of a previous relationship, my previous job. But the thing that changed it all very dramatically and, and led us to go, and go into cannabis was really my mother being diagnosed with lung cancer, more or less, a, a few months before we'd set up Kingsley. Oh, my goodness. Um, she was a, a doctor, you know, obviously never touched a cigarette ever. Yeah, you know, I am yeah. the black sheep. And and, yeah. and, and so never touched a cigarette, stage four lung cancer. And originally when it was first diagnosed, we thought, uh, or the doctor thought there were, there were some tablets that you could take, which should actually turn it into more of a chronic condition, very, right. very unique variant of lung cancer. So she started taking those. And, and more or less when we closed the original investment round for Kingsley to set up our business was more or less the same time. It's all a bit of a blur now yeah. where the doctor came back with the message that the tablets are just not working, right? So this is now terminal. She was gone in, you know, nine months after that. My but God. but for me, it led to two to three years of absolute hell. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and so many different things happened. So the first is, you know, our UK side of things... It, just I, I wasn't there and, and he'd yeah. uh, Hidong, my business partner for was phenomenal we did get some deals done because of him he kept it together etc but we were not kicking as, as, as well as we should have done yeah. but secondly when you go through something like that you reassess everything you, you reassess what do you want to be what's important to you yeah. what matters more in terms of life legacy when you're gone it's also the time when, when you're reading or when you're you know looking after your mum that um, and I'm an only child, so it affected me incredibly bad, deeply. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you start to read and you read about the cannabis market on one hand, and you read about the anecdotal stories about people who were terminal, and I've now met a few of these people since then, right. um, who were terminal for a different type of cancer, found some illegally obtained cannabis, turned it into oil, and now they're in remission, or oh, that was three yeah. or four years ago. Yeah, Syracuse. and when
2: you're, despa- when you're desperate, you look everywhere. You look at
1: everything, and you read everything. And then you try and take the next step. So you read it, and then you think, well, we're of, you know, we have some resources, so we, beyond this research, who can we contact to start doing yeah. something with this? And that's when you realize that just not enough research has been done. Getting a clinical organization, a a doctor, to start to believe and prescribe in the medical power of cannabis requires years, decades of preclinical work and understanding and research. And that is still not not there. (laughs) And so... With that take home in mind, my my mom sadly passed away. I had a, you know, a a horrible few years, but you slowly start to get get your act together. And it it led to our third strand of activities at Kingsley, which is the creation of companies in the legalized cannabis markets.
2: And the idea was that in that horrendous experience, you started reading about cannabis. Yeah. And became. Interest in the potential of as a its potential as a medical treatment for all kinds of different stuff exactly. well, it's actually a mixture
1: of two things i think there are two strains the biggest strain was that you, you start yeah. to read about cannabis the second was we were quite well aware that the cannabis market you know was was beginning to colorado was talking about yeah. party, all of these things were about to happen. Yeah, because um, this was twenty end of thirteen, and then fourteen yeah. about to kick in. Yeah, um, so we start to do our reading. I start to do lots of scientific reading, and then end of two thousand and fourteen, Colorado's turned, and, and a bunch of guys in the US have announced the existence of cannabis investment firms, yeah, Marley yeah. deals, deals with the Mali estate, etc., etc. And you think, yeah. whoa, you know, as well as there being medical potential, this is a market. Uh, where the demand exists. This is not something where the consumer needs to be educated. It's, it's just catalyzed by legalization. The demand exists, and this is a huge opportunity. And so that led us to firm up this third, this third strategy. And, and I, I say the creation of cannabis firms or co- firms that operate in the, in the legalized cannabis market because we don't invest in other people's, but in other people's cannabis firms for, for a couple of reasons. When we first started, we started looking at the market. We spent eight months meeting everybody. Hidong and I traveled, particularly to the U.S. and to Canada. It was, it was really led to that. you spent some there. time at Humboldt?
2: I did. A little bit. Because <laughs> I, I, well, I ask because one of the interesting things about the cannabis world is that a lot of it is like these crusty old potheads who have been doing this for decades. And there's this whole very difficult transition. Correct. There. From this kind of black market world yeah. to big business, and it feels like that transition is really rough, and a lot of you know, it feels like ninety percent of the people who are trying to do that in one form or another are just going to not make it. I'd
1: say it was close to ninety nine percent. I could not agree more, and and it's for well, that was one of the reasons why we thought setting the businesses up ourselves is is the way the way to do it. So we, we met a whole load of people, and it became clear that. The people who may have ten to fifteen years, quote unquote, master growing experience, are very difficult to invest in. If you invest in someone, you expect them to report every month. Yeah. You expect a board meeting. You expect proper financials, and all of these things. Which, when you're steeped in the cannabis industry for, for for twenty years, which was an illegal industry, is not something that that you're aware aware of, let alone something that you can do. On the other hand, the few businesses. And probably the leading light is, is Privateer, based in based in Seattle. The few businesses with mainstream professional people that have put together a cogent cannabis proposition are doing extremely well. So well, in fact, that by the time we met them, it was too, it was too late for us to yeah. to get involved. On the other hand, that's a great message, right? So that's just in the U.S. The international, we feel that it will happen again. So why don't we set up our own cannabis businesses in in the space? Put professional people in them with, with professional experience from mainstream industries um, and then grow these companies with you know, a, this, this unbelievable macro backdrop that, that mm-hmm. everybody knows about. And so that was what led us to this strategy of company creation as opposed to investing in, in other people's cannabis businesses. And, and so with that, it then also became clear that there was kind of a a scientific knowledge gap I mean, mm-hmm. it, it was kind of clear from all my research with looking into, into my mum and, and you realise that it, you know up until now there's been about 700 pieces of clinical research done in cannabis that uh, sounds like is, a lot it's not it's, it's tiny right. compared to the amount of Research, this is uh, that needs to be done in order yeah. to get a, a drug on the market and even then the vast majority of that is in whole plant cannabis so yeah. um,
2: so what so what is your focus then because there's a, a, again here in California Canada Colorado various places there's a huge kind of explosion of people trying to do just basically like you know cannabis in every form you know the vaporizers sure. Sure. like basically like direct to consumer Products, And then there is the whole other world, which is medical. Correct. Which these seem to be completely different
1: worlds. Yes. We're playing both. So we've set up two companies in the space. One is called Oxford Cannabinoid Technologies. The other is called Equinox International. Um, Equinox, we'll we'll sort of move to in a a sec. That's more retail and cultivation, the first thing that you're referring to. And and OCT is more biotech and and medical. And so my personal view on, on the market is that the... If you look at where the alcohol market is now, we are the cannabis equivalent to people that are still bootlegging moonshine into yeah. into the country. Um, there's decades, if not centuries, of, of market evolution behind all of this. My personal view is that the market will bifurcate and bifurcate quite cleanly. it'll take time, but over time it'll bifurcate quite cleanly between the recreational side of things, which is like alcohol. You know, if, if people want to consume cannabis, that's fine. Yeah call it consuming cannabis to, to, for the psychoactive effect in whatever form, regulate it, tax it, nothing wrong with that. People have a glass of wine at, at, yeah. at the end of every night. But then there, there will be another market as big, if not arguably bigger, which is kind of the medical cannabis market, which really plays on the medical potential of, mm-hmm. of cannabinoids. Right now, I think the danger is what you're seeing is that a lot of people are essentially Quasi medical market. So so cannabis is being bought for recreational reasons under
2: medical guise. Oh yeah, Um, and I think that is a very dangerous grey area for the cannabis. Well, before there was legalization in California, a lot of my friends were quote unquote stressed.
1: Yeah no exactly and right. so they'd go to the doctor pee, home it, growing, you got all of this type yeah, of stuff Yeah yeah, right? <laughs> no, you got to
2: the, go to the right doctor and you get a prescription and then you go down to a bakery where they're making where we can buy like you know half a dozen cookies with you know pot cookies it,
1: yes and 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 you know and that had so before california went wreck i i remember coming here about uh 4 years ago and you you're just staggered by not just the dispensaries, as you say, these chains of cannabis doctors, where who've built up huge yeah. industries of, yeah, of yeah. just issuing people with their medical card. You yeah. go in; a friend of mine had
2: his done on Skype. I mean, it's, it's just remarkable. Didn't even go in. <laughs> it feels like it feels like almost like the, you know, there's a whole erectile dysfunction industry growing up now, where it's again like here in the states, companies like Hims or Roman, where it's like. They're selling this as like, you know, erectile dysfunction it could be a indication of a greater problem. Do an online consultation <laughs> with a doctor... And we'll send you stuff for free in the mail, and you never have to see anybody yeah. or talk to anybody. And it's kind of like they're creating this whole system where it's basically—I mean, it's all a, an artifice.
1: And, and it, but it's, it's both an artifice, and I think it's potentially dangerous as well. Because the, the I, unless the medical communication is done properly and validated by science,
2: yeah. the whole industry could lose credibility. It's almost—but doesn't the, isn't aren't you don't you have the opposite problem? It doesn't have any credibility, and you have to build some.
1: Yes, and hence OCT.
2: So I I could not agree more.
1: And and I think what we're seeing now is that classic balance. I, I haven't lived through many creations of new industries, but the classic balance between... All of this entrepreneurship and innovation in the market, which is a wonderful thing, particularly here on the West Coast, yeah. which gets up to a point, but the regulation's got to catch up. And, and when you're particularly playing in, in the public health arena, regulation is even more important. And so with all of that, we, we kind of realise that there's, there's this medical gap, there's this grey area in the market of, of people selling cannabis For rec under medical guys. You know, before Canada went recreational, that's what it was. (laughs) All of these medical cannabis firms selling cannabis for psychoactive effect. And it became clear there's not enough scientific research to validate all of this. So with that, and this is why I began with my university degree, I went to see my old biology professor I hadn't seen in about 12 years and said, hi, um, we are looking at the cannabis market we think it's very interesting but we also think that not enough research has been done why don't we see if we can design a research program together and uh, you know the luck I suppose was one he still opened the door to me about after 10, 10, 12 years and two he was a plant scientist specialist so understood that you know the potential of plants and natural products and over we can talk about natural products in a sec but there's a huge history of natural products being great sources of drugs Mm -hmm. antibiotics etc so that led to a whole load of discussions with the Oxford Medical Sciences Department, and, and it required about uh, nearly one and a half years
2: to... Because, yeah, what is the, uh, and forgive me, what is the legal st- status in the UK?
1: The legal status in the UK, it turned medically, or they announced the creation of a medical market in October. Okay. However, our research and OCT's business model is not dependent on any advance in legislation in order for it to be successful. It's, it, if you look at GW Pharmaceuticals, yeah, um, who've been, they've been doing that for 20, 10, 10, 15 years. They're a proper leading light in the space. Yeah. Genuinely the Wild West. I mean, it's, it's a bit yeah. easier now, yeah. but th- it, it's a drug development company. Um, uh, GW is a biotech company that yeah. works in the substrates of cannabis. OCT, Equinox is different, but OCT is a biotech company that works in, in the substrates of cannabis Yes, of course, all of this legislation has helped from an education perspective and and to get investment interest and all of those things. But the medical power of cannabis was still there. Someone just needed to to focus on all of this. So we then spent a year talking to a whole load of professors at Oxford. Oxford works exclusively with us. The professors all, all work exclusively with us and designed a research program. I had to meet the head of medicine. I had to meet the chancellor of the university. In order to, to for them to ensure that yeah, uh, yeah I wasn't a clown, it's kind so market. you didn't show up
2: like smelling of weed and just being like, hey man, I totally am interested.
1: No, in no, it. <laughs> I normally try and save that for my professional investors. <laughs> <laughs> just joking, I don't I, I don't do that either. <laughs> um, no, and 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 well, that's the whole thing. My, I I firmly believe in order for the cannabis market to become legitimate as it should on multiple lines. One is the recreational line. The other is the, is the medical line. The people acting within it have to be beyond reproach. They need to have proper experience from elsewhere. They need to act whiter than white. You yeah. know, I have brown skin, so that's <laughs> ironic. But um, I, I almost feel that the standards that you have to stick to, because it's an industry that is coming out of the light and is so stigmatized, are higher than other industries. And it was that approach that led us to getting Oxford inside. It, it's, it's why Oxford, I think, are, are happy to work, work with us. And so what we 're doing now is a a range of things at oCT really to try and plug that knowledge gap, but also to try and look at solve problems which up until now remain in healthcare largely unsolved and like you know, like and what cannabis and cancer is a, a classic classic example
2: as a palliative kind of no so so okay.
1: cannabis and cancer as a palliative aid is is in a path to say it 's well trodden is is not right, but it's a path that is being trodden and and yeah. must be trodden further we're doing a little bit of that, but it it's really all of these stories and in in the past twelve months alone there was there was a gentleman who had lung cancer didn't tell his doctor that he was self-medicating with CBD oil, and then a few month, uh, months later, amazing, that it's the tumor the the has shrunk. You know, there, there's been examples over the past year in lung cancer, breast cancer, brain cancer, all going into remission on treatment of
2: oil that's either... Exclusively that, or they happen to be doing that on the side of their normal?
1: Exclusively that. Okay. To the extent that, in some cases, it, it was terminal. And, and so we know that something is there... But at the same time, we can't yet answer the question: Why does that strain of cannabis? Why will it shrink someone's tumor and not shrink somebody yeah. else's tumor? But we know that something's there, and it almost feels wrong that research hasn't been done into this. So, without you know being able to give too much of the, the crown jewels
2: away, mm. we're,
1: we're breaking down cannabis into its different into different parts. So,
2: how, so you're basically effectively funding different clinical trials for different indications
1: funding a series of different research projects for different indications across cancer lots of cancer lots of yeah. cancer screenings pain neurological disease and immunological conditions and they're, they're all very very related yeah for personal reasons we're very heavy on the cancer but the other markets are also massive markets so if you look at the pain pain just to give you a flavor of, of what we 're doing we 're taking the different combinations of cannabinoids and mapping out what genes are turned on in, in the relevant pain pathways with both at our own internal laboratory and, and and with Oxford. That should allow you to produce very tailored medication for different types of of pain both chronic and otherwise when 130 people are dying each day from opioid overdoses and so on and so forth this strikes me as something that really should receive more focus both from a public health perspective but also from an insurance perspective from the insurance companies should love this if you can prescribe cannabinoid based medication and slash the opioid bill yeah it's not to like about that so pain as well Neurological conditions. So there are drugs on the market out there already, GW Pharma, you know, the, the leading light. There are drugs out there for MS, for childhood epilepsy, that are um, th- that are all cannabinoid-based. A lot of that is, is whole plant-based. We are doing some whole plant work, but where we really want to get into pun intended, the weeds of it, is mm-hmm. looking at what each individual cannabinoid does, each combination of them and building it up, building it up from that, from that way. This is probably a
2: stupid question. What is a cannabinoid? Fair enough. So
1: the endocannabinoid system is a system of receptors called cannabinoid receptors. Okay. And they're governing molecules called
2: endocannabinoids
1: okay. that are found in all mammals got you the system
2: is not well researched so it's, the biological on a kind of molecular level the biological receptors to what yes and,
1: and and i think the difficulty is if you speak to doctor friends of mine and you know this is the endocannabinoid system despite being pervasive in every in mm. all mammals not just humans is not even really touched as a medical as right. a medical field in other so, words all mammals can get high I, 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 with a reason ish yes, yes.
2: um uh, I don't think we we've tried it on the, on the yeah, others, yeah. but but yes. But so trying to understand course, those pathways. But this is where
1: it also gets interesting. Right. So endocannabinoids are what's produced by internally by, by the human body. Mm-hmm. Phytocannabinoids are the analogous molecules found in cannabis. Over and there's a hundred over 150 more found every day that interact with the cannabinoid receptors in your endocannabinoid system and therefore have the effect that they do.
2: So is the the idea to figure out how one plugs into the other?
1: Yes, but it it is a terrifyingly complex field. So just to begin, so there's there's two receptors, broadly speaking, CB1 and CB2. CB1 is located mostly in the brain, a little bit elsewhere, but mostly in the brain. CB2 Mm -hmm. is much more systemically found the cb1 receptor and, and things that interact with the cb1 receptors what has the psychoactive effect mm-hmm. but if you can interact with the cb2 effector as a receptor just on its own and produce drugs that play with cb2 without affecting cb1 you have from from cannabis produced a drug that that doesn't get you high but has medical potential. right
2: so you don't feel like m- mentally high but you might have some physical other physical benefits, benefits yes and and, right. then,
1: and then the next question is what are those physical benefits gotcha, you know, what yeah, are right. those what are the indications where cb1 and cb2 and um they're governing molecules of endocannabinoids um what systems and, and what indications are they are they involved yeah. in that's the bit that we're not enough not enough work has been done and that's what we're trying to do
2: that sounds expensive <laughs> um, yep, yep. how much money do you have to do that and what's the kind of time frame you're looking at
1: so we uh, we don't officially declare the amount but we have raised comfortably into the double digits into
2: oct mm-hmm. tens of millions or 10 million plus in,
1: in, in that region okay we last year took on imperial brands so imperial tobacco casa verde capital as shareholders so one of those
2: casa verde snoop
1: Snoop Dogg, and, and actually, who I haven't met, and Karen Wadera, who's lovely, is the managing partner mm. of, of, of Casa Verde, um, they, their fund just invests in ancillary businesses, so nothing touching the plant, which is a good way right. to get investors yeah, yeah. actually on the hook. Yeah. And we would appear to be one of, one of the, the few cogent biotechnology players in, in the sector.
2: Imperial investors.
1: You'd have to ask them why, but the, the sense that we got from them is that rather than take a big bet, a multi-billion bet, into the cannabis space with, with a few companies out there. They want to their, dip their toe. Let's figure out what's going on first. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, and let's try and under, understand this first. Right. And then move once educated. Yeah. And I think that's right. There's a lot yeah. of multi-billion dollar deals being done right now, all of which strike me as, you know, not necessarily right. I, I'm of the firm belief that that given the human capital or lack of human capital that's in the industry yeah. still, you can build these companies yourself. Yeah.
0: VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen.
1: VoiceOver on settings.
0: So you can navigate it just by listening.
1: Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11.
0: And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
2: Just so all this foundational research you're doing, what is... What is the business model? So the
1: business model is drugs um, for OCT, and I'll, I'll go, uh, the okay. and and the joy of, of starting almost with a blank piece of paper as we did in 2015 is that from the research, all the the, the, the initial research all the way into drug development and trials it is a can be seamlessly integrated. We've designed it both working in our laboratory in Greece and and also with Oxford and others. You have a lab in Greece. It opens in August. Why in Greece? very educated human capital Uh they under they have just announced medical cannabis legislation so we were welcomed in and brexit what's brexit have to do with it if being based in london getting grants from the eu for research is hard to do being based in london so we corporate H- HQ is still in in London, yeah. But it's important to have a European entity that um, oh, can right. access right. or some
2: of this capital. Got gotcha. you. This all feels like a very long term play.
1: Well, yes and no. So, so I think um, with with OCT, I mean, the short term, shorter term players, Equinox with brands, etc. cetera, yeah. Which I'd love, I'd love to discuss in a yeah, second yeah. But OCT. Yes, but we we've moved quickly, and o- o- Oxford's moved quickly. There's more. I, I referred to the 700 pieces of clinical research that have been done. 200 of that has been done in the past 2015 to 2018. So the past oh, four wow. years, which right. gives you a sense of how quickly you need to move, but right. also how little was done. You know, so 500 before in yeah, the yeah, decades yeah. and the decades yeah, before yeah. that. So. Yes, OCT is arguably slower in terms of the creation of 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 drugs that will be put on the market. That's five to seven years. Could there be an IPO before then? Yes, a lot of biotech companies want yeah, yeah. to in order to develop their candidates further. IPO. But mostly there's the ancillary effect of, in order for this market to become legitimate the world over, this research needs to be done. And, right. and it both needs to be done and it needs to be done with credible names that says, yeah. we Oxford are, ha- are happy to look at this and look at cannabis.". We, yeah. it, 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 that helps the market in, in 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 general, but it it is a long term play, but it's also the right thing to do. I I like the fact that by looking at different combinations of cannabinoids and how they can treat cancer cells, etc., this is the path less well trodden. It is the high road. It's going to, it's a painful road. It's already been sleepless uh, yeah. both with that and Kingsley effectively running two businesses at, at once. Um, but it's the right thing to do. And if you do find a combination of cannabinoids that can shrink cancer cells, induce cancer cell death, as preclinical research has shown, as anecdotal yeah. real-life stories have shown, absolutely we should be focusing on that. Right. So that's the, you know, the, the first business we set set up in the space. The second is, is totally different. It's called Equinox International. And... It, it, that is growing and selling cannabis, um, and I firmly. Where believe, so our first store, a CBD store, opens up uh, in the UK next week. Ah, oh. uh, it's CBD and and under a brand. Um, but so
2: so you can sell CBD products in the UK to consumers. You can. It depends how you market them.
1: So so CBD oils, et cetera, You can, but you have to. You cannot make medical claims. It has to be marketed as a as a. But well you can sell
2: like, like, hey, you want. You want to get high, or you want weed-based products? But
1: CBD does not get you high. So CBD is the ca- so t- – t- Apologies. So THC, the two major cannabinoids, phytocannabinoids found yeah. in in the cannabis plants, are THC is which gets you high. THC, yeah. which interacts with the CB one receptor in a big, big way in your brain, in your brain, and CBD, which tends to interact with the CB two receptor and has all of this sort of medical potential and and so on and so forth. So it's the CBD that in many ways people can get comfortable with first before moving on to kind of understanding and buying THC-type products. THC cannot be sold in the UK at all. Um, But CBD can. And and so what Equinox is doing, and, and there's other stores that we're opening in other jurisdictions where you can sell THC is a store rollout of, of our brand Mr. Nice, which was... Um, Mr. Nice. Mr. Nice. So um, many decades ago, there was a British cannabis smuggler called Howard Marks. It's, it's normally at this point where when i'm meeting investors you have to clarify that this is the cannabis smuggler howard marks and not the founder of the massive hedge fund oak oak tree and (laughs) they often get a bit confused um so uh, a gentleman called howard marks who wrote a book that was an amazon bestseller called mr nice in 1999 which was all about his life as an oxford graduate he sort of went to state school then went to oxford and then used all his connections from university who are now in, in the you know diplomatic service the police service yes of course to smuggle thousands of tons of cannabis all across the world you know and and these days when if you talk to genuine people like the ogs here steve d'angelo and so on and so forth who are the founder of harborside all of these guys reported to howard howard was the original cannabis smuggler. wrote this book mr nice amazon bestseller was a film the reason I like it is a classic, very British. You know, the yes. branding looks great, and there is room in it the is market. There's a good name, Mister yeah, Nice. Ab- absolutely, and then there is room in the market. I think for a British brand in the recreational market. Why we've kept these two businesses separate is because that middle ground, I think, is a dangerous place to be. Right, yeah. you do medical and you do it well, as we're doing with Oxford, and you do recreation, you do that well, but don't don't mix the two because that, I think, is a is dangerous legally. And and for, for so many yeah. reasons for, for for the industry. So, the store opens. The store opens up next week. We are opening up other stores in T H C regions, Israel, and, and so on and so forth. For, oh, so this is like for a for global reasons. rollout. Exactly. So it's going to be a global a global rollout of stores. It's the company is slightly. you started. doing it here. We would love to do something here. So um, if there's if there's any NA LA, LA partners, the, 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 the interesting thing is when you come to the U S actually howard's name recognition in the us is it, it's the worst in, uh, compared to all yeah, over yeah. the world yeah in latin america when he went to chile it was front page news um the first Czech cannabis conference since his death, he died in 2016, they built a shrine to him. I mean, he is known the, the world over. And there's genuine cannabis credibility there. If you look at some of the other brands that are trying to grow, you know, they're very celebrity-based. And, and yeah, yeah. That's great. Like Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but Snoop is primarily known as an incredibly successful singer first. Yes likes cannabis. Bob Marley, the same, right? Oprah, incredibly successful, clearly, you know, must like cannabis to start a female brand. Howard was known. Wait, hold on. Oprah has a brand? Oh, There was an announcement out the other day that she's creating a female focused Oprah Winfrey cannabis brand. I did not six, know six that. Six months ago or something like that. Everyone's doing it. They, the, the 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 celebrity fad of starting your own cannabis brand,
2: Willie Nelson for The Country Singers. Of is a course. Big one, of course. Of course. Willie's reserve. The- <laughs> <laughs> He's a Snoop Dogg of country music. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um... But Howard Marks was the original cannabis smuggler. And,
1: right. and, and the, the branding, which is, you know, very black and white, is obviously black and white, low cost of production. Mm-hmm. What's not to love? <laughs> um, and, and so, yes, there's the opportunity for a... So are a, you a opening in
2: like brand. Kensington or Whitechapel? Kind of...
1: <laughs> Our first store, Smack Bang Soho. <laughs> okay. With Mr. Nice t-shirts, oils. It's a, it's and so what are the
2: oils supposed... Well. I know you can't make medical claims. No. What do the oils do? What is the stuff that you're selling? What is it? Is we are
1: it- selling CBD oil, which has been extracted to a high high quality in Europe, and are bringing them in as Mr Nice sort of CBD oil. As that aside, we are also but what is the oil supposed to do? It is meant to make you feel not high, but it's meant to make you feel slightly more relaxed and slightly more alert.
2: Right, you just like rub it on your elbow or something?
1: Uh, sublingual, under, uh, under, under the tongue is, <laughs> is normally how it's done. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but, you know, each person is different. The difficulty is one person will say, I buy CBD oil for this, and another person yeah. will say, and, and it is actually not our place to tell them that it does this, this, and this, that you can't make those claims. So, the first stores in Soho are very, very, I mean, the equivalent. If you look in the US, there's a company called Medimen, which has a oh, high yeah. end dispensary. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They're worth $1.5 on the stock exchange. And it's, it's kind of a classic dispensary play. Yeah. We look at that and what they've done in the, in, you know, in the US, and, and as the international market is literally about to open. And we think that the same can be done. The same can be done there. Right. So Mr. Nice Branded Products, Mr. Nice Stores, that's Equinox. And we are developing, I, I can't tell you where, but we're developing cultivation sites in, in the Caribbean and also in Asia. In a country which, when we announce it, will knock everybody's socks off. And I'd love to tell you, but,
2: but, but, yeah, I, right. but, I, uh, but I can't. <laughs> um, and so where are you sourcing the actual plant? Where are the plants coming from that produce the oil that you're using right now?
1: So for the oils, if you're extracting and looking to extract pu- a purified yeah. version, it, it doesn't necessarily matter. So oh, okay. Because I just know that a lot of these
2: regulation, because a lot of this is still gray.
1: Very. And if you're offering something that's very whole plant-based, you, that, that stuff yeah, yeah. Do, does matter. So our oils are extracted from a mixture of high CBD cannabis, low THC, and, and hemp, which contains a lot of CBD as well. Right. We sliced and diced, and you then add some flavorings, and, and yeah. sort of off, off it goes. Um, but in Israel, we're doing THC, and, and each. It, what's fascinating about the legislation is that it's, each country is unique and very, very different, so, and also very exciting. If you take the U.S., and the one thing that the, the U.S., I mean, as a Brit, the, the things that unite us are, are far more than, than the things that divide us, but the, mm-hmm. the one thing that the U.S. has, and brilliantly down to a T, which the U.K. doesn't, is the concept of direct democracy. Right, the ballot initiative is something that effectively kicked this all off where yeah. in California Proposition P96 yeah. everybody voted and, and, and you have the case, it's the case that something's passed on the ballot initiative on a, on a ballot initiative and legislators go well this is passed now what do we do we actually yeah. have to legislate for this in Europe that, that is far less the case the the idea of direct, yeah, yeah. direct democracy i mean the uk is a farce there's a petition on, on on the online website that says it will be discussed in parliament yes for two minutes at 11:30 in the evening yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um and with no decision and no need yeah. to do something so in the u.s that's led to a whole load of states passing but federally this this sort of nothing's happened yet and and it's led to i mean the u.s market is effectively 30 different markets you can't transport between states each state is different internationally is different it takes longer for the legislation to pass i think or for public support to really push legislators to do something because yeah. there's no ballot initiative but yeah. once once legislators say they will then do it it can then ha- it more qu- yeah, more quickly yeah and what makes the international market so interesting unlike the u.s it'll happen eventually in the u.s is The legislation in the vast majority of cases has been federally passed. And what that means is, unlike in the US, where you can't transport from one state to another, so you can't create a mega grown Humboldt, in the Humboldts, Northern California, and sell in Massachusetts, much more expensive to grow in Massachusetts, you can't do that. internationally you can develop areas of cultivation in low-cost regions such as the Caribbean such as in Asia and then export into areas of high demand such as the UK such as Germany
2: the legalized drug trade
1: it's one giant homogenized market um I suppose it is the, the legalized drug trade. I would also argue it's also the legalized public health trade, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, given the medical, the medical potential that it can have. But you can't do that in the US, whilst the international market opening up right now is a giant market to be addressed.
2: Is Lord Rothschild an investor?
1: I'm not allowed to say.
2: That sounds like a yes. No, no,
1: it's it's neither a yes. It's neither a yes or no. Um,
2: I will say this, though. I mean, I would just ask because the Rothschilds obviously have a long history of investing in kind of, let's say, frontier capitalism.
1: So I I can neither confirm nor deny. The one thing I I would say is that working for him, you, you realize that everybody's an entrepreneur. And actually, what he gave me through doing that job is far more valuable than anything that came afterwards.
2: And that is all the time we have. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a fabulous long weekend. I plan to do the same. Actually, I'll be in London uh, next week, running around doing various things, which I'll be talking to you very soon about because it's pretty exciting. But anyhow, um, we'll be back next week. Normal time, normal day with uh, another episode for you in the meantime. Enjoy yourselves. Be safe. In the midst of all that, give us a rating and review. You can also find me On Twitter, at Danny Fortson, or in the newspaper. I think I'm writing about Tesla this week, so check that out. Have a good one. See you next week. Bye-bye.
0: VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen.
2: VoiceOver
1: on settings.
0: So you can navigate it just by listening.
1: Books.
2: Contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with
0: Anna, from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility, there's more to iPhone.